to the love of the game by me, Logan Wilkinson. When I was a young boy, I would spend hours in a field just kicking a ball around. I weaved through the unruly grasslands of the Midwest, my hair and shirt flying with the breeze as I kicked a ball across my makeshift stadium. It was always the game-winning goal. My own personal World Cup, Super Bowl, and World Series. I was Pele. I was MJ. I was Ollie knocking out Frazier. I sprinted, jumped, fell, got back up again, and took the shot over and over and over again. I missed a fair bit of times. Every now and again, though, everything aligned, and I became a hero. The thought raced across my mind as the countdown clock started. The low hum of the engine bringing me back to reality. Back to this huge moment I had spent so long building towards. The championship game. The title match. The underdog taking on the giant. My own personal David V. Goliath moment. Three seconds. I took a deep breath closed my eyes, and centered myself. Two. An 18-game season had built to this. A thrilling semifinal playoff triumph had allowed me to stand on this hollowed field. The bright lights, the roaring crowd, the rush of it all. One. My hand was firmly on the gas, just waiting for the moment now. Just give me an inch and I'll take a mile, I thought to myself. The last second before immortality. Go. My engine roared to life, my car screaming across the grass, rocketing towards the ball at midfield. Across the way, I just saw the flash of fire plume out of my opponent's car. I could beat him. I knew I could. The smash of metal, hopes, and a goofy soccer ball at the center stage echoed through the arena. We came together at the exact same moment, the ball rocketing across the stadium. My eyes darted all over, frantically trying to place the ball while at the same time keeping an eye out for the challenger. There! I spotted the ball bouncing back to the reality towards the middle half of my pitch. Damn, I muttered to myself. I raced over to my side of the field. Go for the ball or go for the safety of my net, for the security of it. Playing it safe hadn't taken me this far, hadn't allowed me to stun the world and make it to the finals. David hadn't beaten Goliath by going the conservative route. So I went for the ball. It was exactly what my foe expected me to do. Hovering to the far right of me, he lingered in the wings, watching as I darted to the ball leaving the goal wide open. He smashed his glass, flying across a sweeping field in an instant, the boost pushing his vehicle to near mock speed. He thundered into the ball, smashing it directly towards my goal. I had just enough time to snap my car around, spinning to see the ball explode into the goal. Eleven seconds had passed. Turns out Goliath has learned a few lessons since David. Don't be stupid. Play smart. Play the game that's gotten you here. 
He scored the first goal. I can guarantee he won't score the last. The mini pep talk to myself ended as a counter tick to one, and I had to ready myself for the second kickoff in a matter of seconds. Go. I shot out of my starting spot like a bat out of hell. The anger of years of not being deemed good enough, of not being the first kid picked for teams, of being the smallest, tiniest kid in school for the first 16 years of my life came roaring out of me. I had learned to play, to compete against people far bigger, far more talented than myself. But I fought like a demon child. This poor sap had nothing on those kids from the past. I wasn't a tiny little kid anymore. But I sure as hell was still a demon child. Like lightning, I snapped across the ball, thundering it across the walls of the arena, the vibrations rocking every spectator. Before my opponent was aware of what had happened, I was already halfway to where the ball was landing. Jumping, boosting, and leaning forward all at once, I slammed into the ball and smashed it towards his goal. It hit the edge of the goal and rolled away, all energy dissipating from it. He was back now, lunging at the ball, or at least where it had been. A half second earlier, I'd beaten him to the punch and rolled the wall up the wall near the goal. As he raced mistakenly away, I simply sat patiently and waited for the ball to drop right into my lap. As it bounced back down, I slowly nudged it into the goal and tied the game up. Goliath ain't the only one who's learned a few tricks, y'all. Only 34 seconds had passed in the game. 4.26 flashed away on the clock. A battle, then. A dogfight. The ensuing 3 minutes and 20 seconds were sport at the highest stakes. Saves enshrined for the ages, goals to remember, and brutal, no-holds-barred Rocket League at its finest. Lungeon, flying across the field, knocking each other and the ball all over time and space, me and my foe battled and danced like two experts performing their craft at the highest level. This was our Broadway opening, our massive crowd eagerly watching and consuming every second. Swirling through the air, time lost all meaning. We were playing for far, far bigger keeps than the crowd could realize. It wasn't the opponent we were battling, but history itself and our place in it. To be either lionized as a champion or damned to eternity as a loser. 2-3. 106 left. What are you made of, then? This is where dreams come to die. The moment where everyone finds God. Your greatness is a lie. Failure is your destiny. A champion you sadly are not. They simply didn't get it, though. A goal down with 66 seconds? Please. I, the boy who rocked the golden grass fields of Missouri many a summer ago... I had trained my entire life for this moment. 
Jordan had the flu game, Ollie the thriller in Manila, Pele every beautiful moment in the 1970 World Cup. I, I had this moment, this championship, these 66 seconds. They were mine. The countdown clock hit go. I chewed up miles of field as I plowed toward the ball, knocking away the ghosts of those not good enough, of the lesser forgotten mortals known as runners-up. There's no shame in second place, I was told long ago. Huh, I had thought the time. Eyebrow half-cocked. That sure as hell doesn't seem right. Ain't too many books about the second-best team in the 1982 NFL season. The Dolphins. Or the runners-up of the 1974 World Cup. The Netherlands. Not too many novels about the losers of the 1812, 1924, or 2004 presidential elections. Shout-out to DeWitt Clinton, John W. Davis, and John Kerry. History has no time for failure. For disappointment. It spits you away like trash if you are deemed unworthy. If you fail to live up to the enormous potential, it lies forth for you. The once and future king. But only if you survive. The ball was in the net before I landed. 3-3. I still had 63 seconds left. What you got, Goliath? Give me your goddamn best shot. I'm ready for you. The countdown clock lingered on three for a year. I took a deep breath. I pushed it all out. Two. I closed my eyes. That field of Missouri came back to me. For the love of the game. Barry Sanders famously retired young from football. A year away from smashing every Russian record in the book and becoming a god of the sport, he walked away from the only thing he'd ever been known for. He just didn't feel it anymore. He didn't want to ruin the love. I've always been fascinated by that. Always been fascinated by Sanders' decision. For the love of the game. Michael Jordan retired three times. The first time, after winning his third straight title of the Bulls, he was at the height of his power. He strode across the basketball court like a king strolling through a summer garden, resolute in the truth that no man could touch him. He didn't enjoy it anymore. He'd lost his father. He just wanted to play the baseball. So he left. Michael Jordan retired for the second time after winning three straight titles with the Bulls. He had more championship rings than could be worn on a hand. It's rare to find a god walking amongst us mere mortals. A man who transformed and captivated the world like nobody else in sport had. I wanted to be like Mike. We all did.
He loved the game. There was just nothing left to do. Michael Jordan retired for the third time as a Washington Wizard. He was a very good basketball player. An all-star, even. He was no god, though. He loved the game. The game just didn't love him anymore. One. When I was a kid, back when I lived in Florida, my dad would pick me up from school and we'd go to Crystal for lunch. The Florida sun lightened the world in a dazzling glow. We'd just drive around, spend time in that car, soaking up what a world it was. From my earliest memories, I recall sitting enraptured by my grandfather's stories about the world. He'd seen the Northern Lights, traveled to nearly every country in Europe, and lived a life that seemed right out of an Ian Fleming novel. For the love of it all. He just loved the world. The people in it. The wonder of it all. Do the best you can, and it may never be enough. Do the best you can anyway. Go. For 63 seconds, I fought. I battled and exhausted everything in myself. Go west, young man. Greatness awaits. Are you the king of the court jester? The names etched in the grooves of history, unspooling themselves every so often to inspire and move the world, to show us what we're capable of. Lincoln and Armstrong, Tubman and Ali, Jordan and Pele, Washington, Churchill, Mandela, etc. Wilkinson? One goal was scored during that 63 seconds. David and Goliath fought to the bitter and ugly death, and one emerged, and the other lie exhausted and finished, consigned to the heap of history known as failed ambition, wasted potential. 63 seconds. When I was a little kid, I would pretend I was a batter in the bottom of the ninth inning of the World Series. Bases loaded. Two outs. Wilkinson steps up to the plate. What does the young kid have in him? The announcer would ask. I could imagine the rush and rustle of the crowd. All eyes trained on me. Peering into me. Into my heart. What kind of man were you, eh? Strike one, the umpire screamed out. The crowd grew more restless. I could hear the whispers. Crack! The foul ball flew through the air, landing in the stands. Two strikes. One chance. One pitch. One moment. I always smiled. I always gripped the bat a little tighter. This is what it was all about. 
A little whisper of ease entered into my stance. I could just see the pitcher so determined to bring me down. I got ready. The pitcher flung the ball toward me. I smirked that goddamn smirk of mine and swung the bat. I took my shot. I hoped that impossible hope. The rest, as they say, was up to the gods. All for the love of the game. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to our article reads for the Rational Passions Best Of list. We got another hot discussion here discussing For the Love of the Game by one Logan Wilkinson. This is a 2017 joint, which feels like a long, long time. Uh, who could say? It, maybe it feels long. May, some would say that this project has been in development for two years, mm. but you don't know that, listener. Um, hello, Logan. I'm here with Hi, you. How are you? I'm doing you? great. How are you doing, George? I am doing okay on this day. Mm-hmm. Who knows when? Again, I don't even remember when we recorded our last discussion, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> that does not matter. What does matter is that we're here to discuss uh, for the love of the game, yeah. which I believe is probably one of my favorite things that you've ever mm-hmm. written for the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a noted fan of this piece when it went up back in 2017 September, uh, which means it was piece will be two years old next yeah. month. How about yeah. that? It's exciting. Uh, it's wild. I mean, it's a thing for me, like because obviously we each we read it today before we recorded this and like thinking back to like where I was at right in September 2017 to like now and like kind of just that journey and the highs and lows right and it's been both a mixture of like man I can't believe it's been two years in like the sense of it's been so like quick and also like man it feels like a lifetime ago this like piece it does of, right yeah. when you think about and I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately because uh, it'll be our three-year anniversary soon here at, at I think meet you and I it's yeah it's gotta be like any like literally like any day now because it, it was yeah, in it July might have already it hit. Like I might have missed end it of June early July like it was summer I think yeah I was, yes that sounds about right that sounds right I need to look up when um I'll do that after the fact but the point is that when you really think about it, uh, three years is a minute, but it really does feel like we've been at this mm-hmm. for like a decade mm-hmm. at least. At least that's how yeah, I feel. Absolutely. Um, but to the point, this piece we're going to talk about, uh, and I don't remember how. Uh, well, never mind. But this piece is, of course, about Rocket League, which at the time you wrote this was a two-year-old video mm-hmm. game, and is now much older than that. Yeah. Which is Rocket League also feels like it's been with us forever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it came out around I'd say the real big heavy hitting. Once this generation of consoles really started going, I think yes. 2014 didn't really count. Yeah. There wasn't really a whole lot, but 2015 was a big year. Um, but yeah, so I can't remember, uh, Logan, is this like one or... T- would you consider this like the first or second? Because this article is interesting because you tell a story where you are the central character and you tell you, you narrate what's going on uh, and sort of paint a visual picture mm-hmm. here so was it the or my oregon trail that came before this or was that after i can't remember my oregon trail came before this this is that was the okay, that's what that i was thought the first foray into this yeah that's what i thought that's how i remember this um but yeah this is sort of uh interesting i don't know how many fo- I, I i think i like to think that irrational passions readership and our people who are familiar with us has grown since 2017 mm-hmm. 
uh, at least from a Twitter follower, like at least by 300 or yeah. so. Um, so if you made, if, if you listen to this article, read it, which I assume because if, if you're here, you will notice that, well, Logan, yeah. on the best of list, I can't think of the top of my head. Are there more of these articles in the style from you? Or is this the one? Maybe, I mean, my organ trail is on the list too. Right, it's on the list, um, right? So you may f- be familiar with this. Yes, it's it's interesting for me because me and Alex already had that when this is being recorded. Had that discussion of the my organ trail thing, and in that we talked about the fact that like, that was the first one. But and Alex likes that piece more than he does this piece. And I mean, we might be getting like to one of your questions, right? But like, this is my favorite thing I've ever written for IP. Um, and is possibly my favorite thing I've ever written, period. Um, I really like this piece, obviously, a lot. It means a great deal to me. Um, and to me, the, yeah, the Meyer Control piece is obviously a companion piece, but this, I feel like, took what I kind of established with that piece and then did what I wanted to do with it, um, I think, in a way that I didn't quite nail with the Oregon Trail, but I feel like I really did, like, reading it again, too, I'm like, man, like, there are, like, a few things I would maybe tweak, but, like, I really do just love this piece i think it stands up pretty well mm-hmm. and i think one of the reasons it works well and one of the big questions i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. because this is sort of a moment to talk about the writing process mm-hmm. i think the the metaphors you use here the similes you use here the way you make you allow you you the, the tools you use to tell the story and to paint that picture mm-hmm. i think really do work mm-hmm. here thank you but the thing i want to ask you and I think this is the big thing with writing anything and any creative work that like involves someone telling a story or even music. Um, when you're a creator, you need to sort of walk the line of realizing when you're stroking your ego mm. too much or you're trying to flex on the reader, mm. right? And, and by that, I mean like you want, you're trying for something ambitious here and you want to prove yeah. that you have the chops to do the thing. Um, I think you th- I think you walk that line pretty well here. I think that's obviously that's subjective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can you tell me a little bit about that process? Because sometimes when you think about it too much, now you're in your head, and now maybe you can't even write anything yes. at all. So it, it's tough. But I, I feel like that that would be something I would be struggling with if I was to write this piece. It's it's not easy, right? Um... And I am assuming you're not saying that, like, oh, I knocked it out of the park, yeah, too. Yeah. You're just very happy with how it turned out. Yeah, like, again, like, I, re- I, I love this piece, and I, and I think in a lot of ways, like, th- I mean, this is, like, the one piece where it's, like, I, and, like, there's a piece I wrote before I went to IP about the last piece, um that I really love as well, but, like, this, I think, is the best written thing I've ever written, and, like, I really am happy with how it came together, but the flip side of that, right, is that, like, and I'm, I'm really glad that we had this conversation about Morgan trail when I had it with Alex is in fact that like he pointed out that like, do you feel like you've become trapped in this style of writing? Because I think in some ways this, I wrote this piece and be like, man, that's what I wanted to do with this kind of style of storytelling. And then I feel like I had to keep doing that style of storytelling. Right. And so a lot of the things after this are in similar kind of storytelling style um, but I've much, I've like, I would feel like I would say increasingly conflicted feelings about, right. Um, like I like the night in the woods piece a lot. Um, I know we disagree on like the Indian of that and like some of the tones in that, but I like that piece, but I think it could be better. Um, and then I did a piece like set in Yarnum for Bloodborne. That's a very similar kind of style. Um, and just numerous, a lot of the pieces I've written since this piece are in a similar esque style. 
Um, and I think sometimes it works really well, and I think sometimes it doesn't work as well as I wanted it to. And I, I, I think that having Alex ask that question of, do you think you've gotten trapped in writing this style of piece? And me being like, well, maybe, yeah. Like, it, it's that thing of, I talked last year um, fairly openly about the fact that, like, I feel like, A, games didn't connect with me in a lot of ways, but B, I didn't write as much as I wanted to write, like, at all. And part of that was to your question of, like, I think it is a struggle that kind of writing thread in that fine line right um like there's like the never seen the light of day red dead piece that i don't even know if you actually ever read i know jared and alex both did they never did no. um that one of the like literally one of the critiques that was given by alex was that like this feels like an ego stroke and like that can be okay but it feels like this is very much like an ego stroke and you've kind of lost lost the thread a little bit um and i think that that balance is hard and i think that it's a it's a thing too of wanting to build off right and wanting to do something ambitious and that you think can be better than what's come before and at a certain point in time and I don't really even know when it happened it became that thing of like trying to compete against this piece um, to like some degree and the Oregon Trail piece to a, to a degree as well mainly because Jared and Alex both enjoy that piece more. Um, and so trying to keep up with like those two pieces and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it, it isn't easy. And this piece, I think, especially reading it again, I love, I think the balance of how much I bleed through in this, right? Like the, part of the reason why I like this piece more than Oregon Trail is that this piece is more me, right? Whereas like Oregon Trail, I'm very like implicitly like the character in that game like i am not logan i am like a character basically in that world whereas this i don't really make any sort of pretense that i'm anybody other than me um like it is like and I, i'm i am me like it like literally from the very opening paragraph it is just talking about me right and like that obviously can be very like a self-centered narcissistic thing but like i like this piece because to me it reads like the most like this is Logan distilled into like 2000 words, whatever it might be, right? Like the, I think the flourishes of like kind of optimism and hope and kind of like a bit of a wink and a nudge at some of the stuff and the overarching kind of themes embedded in this piece feel very true to like who I am in a way that I think Oregon Trail hinted at, but was, I think, restricted by the fact that it wasn't a piece about me. It was a piece about a character in the world. And then the other pieces that came after this I think veered in different directions, right? Like the Night in the Woods piece is way, I think, darker. And like maybe not darker, but like more somber certainly than this is. And the Yarnum piece just is straight up darker than this. Whereas this feels like it kind of has like the Sunny Ways version of me in it. Um, and so I like it for that reason as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's, uh, you mentioned that it can when you make something that you're really happy yeah. about, when you make something, you feel this is this is I love this so mm-hmm. much, and uh, you know, as ga- as people who talk about game creators and their works, it's a thing that I think about. You think about like, and you're I'm I'm obviously listen. I'm not comparing Logan to Naughty Dog. I'm, I'm trying to keep the egos low <laughs> sure, here. No, no, yeah. But you, you wonder, right? Like the folks at Naughty Dog is like, we gotta keep. We're swimming in tens yeah. here. We gotta keep making something that lives up to it. We're yeah. kind of stuck in this style. And I'm not saying that, that that's what they feel. I, that's just conjecture from me because it, I would imagine that because like logan said when you do something that you're happy with that you see like okay i want to replicate this Mm -hmm. success um 
It's not easy. No. Like, this is, like, the most uh, writing-ass writing. Yeah. And it's the thing that I think we talked about in the uh, Deadly Premonition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now that we've grown yeah. in size and we do different things and the time commitment and what I'm interested in doing mm-hmm. has switched, mm-hmm. a lot of the writing-ass writing stuff hasn't – I haven't done as mm-hmm. much. My duties has maybe fallen to being helping other folks who – um, have more time and are, have that energy and have right now we are giving those folks people like Scott people yeah. like Mike people like Quinn uh, that have that that gasoline the tank mm-hmm. and we want to help them get that out there because they're very talented yeah. and we have the we, I have the time and energy to go ahead and edit uh, like their stuff mm-hmm. and see their what they want to put out in the world put it out um, and you know, I, I don't have time to do lost oddities anymore. I was going to bring this yeah. up actually. Like this is this, cause I think that's a natural comparison to the fact that like this style of writing for me and then like lost oddities for you. Right. And you've talked about like your own kind of, yeah. I think in the daily permission, it is creative fucking writing. It is writing. Yeah. Writing. Right. And again, I, 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 again, I'm always the person who's like, I am not comparing. Like the thing I do is the hardest thing, mm-hmm. but it takes time for me to sit down yeah. Think about my thoughts. Like back in the day, and I don't know if I do this still, but I used to go, I used to write down my thoughts on a notebook, just like the ideas mm-hmm. and feelings I am feeling. And eventually those will turn into a piece, mm-hmm. right? But I just need to throw up all my ideas yeah. at once and pick out what I need. And that takes critical thinking, it takes time. And that's with any creative writing, because that's how I learned how to do yeah. that stuff, is like by learning creative writing. And, and I think it's. I think just like with Lost Oddities, I I love. I mean, I, I like the this style of writing that I that I did that I do whatever to some degree still. Um, but it is also the thing of like, I think at a certain point in time you can feel kind of. I don't. Trap seems an overly dramatic word, but like you can feel kind of like stuck, like you're like confined to doing that one thing, right? And like when you want to do more, whether it's like you want to do more than just Lost Oddities, you want to kind of move past that, or like you want to like do other things in like this particular style of writing or maybe you do under this style of writing but like in a different way or a different manner do like other things in addition to it, right and i think in so many ways i feel like our arcs are are paralleled obviously partially helped the fact that we came on at the same time but like we each kind of had these things that i think were very identifiable markers for kind of who we like our writing styles at the site and i think each kind of got maybe not frustrated with those elements, but a little fresh, like a little fresh with it, or like a little, a little bit like we wanted to do to be more than just that thing, right? Like you've talked before about the fact that like you've, you feel complete with what like lost audience was. Like you feel like you're pretty content with like that was what that was. And now like I can do other things. Right. Right? Like in particular, you talked about and like the permissions being that piece. Yeah, I think it's my favorite one, and I think now that I went back, I, I, I listen. Okay, listen, folks. Trevor Starkey, if you're listening to this, we are not the best grammarians here in Irrational Passions. That is a fact. Sure. I'd like to think I've gotten better. Yes, I'd like to think since too. I went through school just recently and relearned like what I'm doing, and then going through so many things I've edited. Like I've edited so much more. Like in the last like eight months mm-hmm. alone, I have seen so many pieces of copy that have gone that have come to me that need edits. And I try my best. I think maybe Jess might be the best. Jess and Jarrett might Jarrett, actually be yeah. the best. Jess and Jarrett might be the best copy editors on staff. But sometimes even Jarrett like wouldn't like misses stuff. Um, and I think going back, going back to my daily premonitions thing, I was like, "Fuck, man, 
there are still I found new grammatical errors. Now they are fixed. Mm-hmm. But I think like Jesus, George, you used to be good at this. I kind of feel like it, but I'm like, well, this took a lot of time, and I'm like, man, I had to play this fucking video yeah. game while Breath of the Wild and Near mm-hmm. and all this shit. Near, which is one of my favorite video games of all time now, and at the time I couldn't play because I was playing Deadly Premonition. Mm-hmm. But that's just the that's just the thing. Like writing this kind of stuff, it just takes time. Yeah. And this is the stuff you like. This is like 100 percent of stuff. Like, listen, all writers should be paid. Yes, your rational fashions, you know, it's a it's a thing. It's a it's a whole thing. But this is the kind of stuff that you would get. This is creative writing that that is absolutely this type of work is worth money. Well, um, I mean, I agree, but all, like, also thank you. Like, I think, and, it, and it, it's just so like you get so in your head. Like, there's a thing of like again, we are not. I'm not comparing myself to the best sure, of writers, sure. but there's this thing that like. All writers are cynical and depressed because they're in their head all the goddamn fucking time. <laughs> and I get that, like, when I was in a coffee shop on a Saturday, it's like 10 in the morning, yeah. and now it's like 3 o'clock, and I've been listening to the Twin Peaks soundtrack for fucking five hours because it helps me write. <laughs> um, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is all garbage, actually. <laughs> Let's just throw it out. It's it's a thing. And, like, um, it, it, it was funny, too, because like, I'm, I'm, I talked to Ben Bellevue about this a little bit at RTX to, I guess, date us when we recorded this, but, like, I've never been somebody who's had, like, a ton of problems, like, the blank page, right? Like, I, I usually can sit down and, like, get going pretty well, but, like, it is that thing of, I think, at a certain point in time in the aftermath of, like, this piece and other pieces and just, like, 2018 in general, it became harder to get to the blank page. Like, it became harder to get to that point, even, where it's, like, once I'm at that blank page, I can go. But, like, the process of even, like, get into the screen, like, I would just, like, find ways not to do it. Like, I just find, like, I think it both, I'd find ways not to do it. And also, like, we got new responsibilities at IP, too, that took some of that time away as well. Um, but it, it, it is, it isn't, like, it's weird. Like, it's not easy. Writing's not easy, obviously. Um, I think I'm fortunate in the fact that, like, I've never been somebody who, like, really hates much of what I've written. Um, but it is that thing of like, it is, it is hard. It is difficult and it takes time. And I think, and I think more than even like the difficulty factor, it's just like the time factor. Like it takes time to write something like this, or to write something like lost oddities or to write something that I think is just good in general. Like those things take time. Um, and creative writing like this in particular, I think takes time and, I I always enjoyed like writing something like this and then I would always like stop and then basically like come back in and like write more and then like what I'd written before like go through and edit it at that point in time and like give it a sections that I didn't like and add sections that I didn't like and just kind of sweep through it like that like multiple times and like and that worked for me and I enjoyed that right and like this piece in particular like was one where I'm just I mean, it really was simple as like me sitting down and like listening to music and just writing this and like it just came so fluidly like it just came so easily um this piece in particular and i feel like part of that is the fact that like it is just like logan distilled into a piece in a lot of ways um but like one of my favorite things about the piece as well is that like in a lot of ways it's one of the least video game pieces and because like in a lot of ways this is more of a sports story um than Mm. it is than it is a video game story Right, and I wanted to ask you about that, and that's maybe the last question because I don't want to keep this these too mm-hmm. long. Because, come on, folks, I, I get listen. Rational Passions is known for having a long podcast, but we've been making great strides and becoming more concise in all of our products. Yeah. But you mentioned the sports yeah. thing, and that's the thing I, I found really interesting thinking about it. Like, 
I feel like um, when you're young, and you mentioned this mm-hmm. in your piece, that there's something... When I was young, there was something magical about any video game. Mm. It didn't matter if it was mm. shit or whatever. The fact that I'm interacting with a thing and that thing is doing the thing I wanted to do is kind of magical. Yeah. Uh, and I think now when we're older, it's like it's a video game. Like there's still video games are still fucking cool as yeah. hell. But I understand it. I understand like how they're made a little bit more. I understand like what, I can see like I it fucked up my frame right now. It's a whole thing. But and but with sports games specifically, we don't. They are video games that are supposed to be simulating the act of playing soccer. But we don't... In all these sports games, like wrestling games, all this, I don't really think about the fantasy. I just want to play a soccer video game. I, I just want to play a racing video mm. game. Like, I enjoy how it feels. And I enjoy... Like, I, we rarely, as adults... Like, maybe... I, I can't only speak for myself, maybe. But put ourselves in the fantasy of being the person walking down the ramp in the entrance... The person, yeah. uh, you know, like on the field. Uh, I think that I think when when the game really hits you, that happens, yeah. and you and you sort of tell that you sort of replicate through your words that feeling. Uh, and I want to talk about that because, do you think um, what was that like? Because I am I off base here saying that that maybe isn't a thing we always think about. We sort of, uh, you know, enjoy sports products passively mm. as the simulation thing because i enjoy soccer and I enjoy, I enjoy playing ea how ea sports has translated the game of soccer into a video game do you know what i'm saying yeah i, I do actually and I, I think that's a really good way to put it too because I, I agree in a lot of ways like i think i think sports games are are just different in so many ways right like they do, i feel like that kind of sense of like wonder and imagination to them isn't quite there in the same way um, and I don't know how to quantify that, right? And like what what is maybe missing or not missing, but I think whatever is missing, Rocket League has it, right? Like Rocket League was the game for me where like it it was that sense of wonder, right? And like it felt like like I've talked before about this and a different thing about Rocket League where it's like Rocket League to me felt like the games you'd play with like your with like your buddies and your friends like after school where you just like make up the rules, like you just make up a game on the spot. And just make up the rules on the spot and just play a game for an afternoon. And you might never play that game again, but like for that afternoon, you just invented this whole other thing, like with these rules, and it was crazy, and it was imagination run wild, and like this like childlike, like kind of like glee and mischiefness. And like I think Rocket League has it because it's just a goofy, weird, silly game that doesn't really make any sense and is like four or five different things in one, but it works somehow in a way that like those childhood games always seem to work too. And like that's immediately like the minute I started playing, like that's immediately where it took me. Right. And like, I think it's helped by the fact that the like arenas you play in in rocket league are very evocative. I think of like childhood and nostalgia, at least especially some of them like Beckworth park um, and like homestead, I think are super immediately just like, man, that feels like a park I would have played in as a kid. Right. Like, and they just take you away. Right. And like one of my favorite things to do whenever I get the option, cause some parks haven't, some parks don't, is to set it to, like, twilight time, where it's, like, not quite night, but it almost is, because it immediately makes me feel like a kid again, because, I like, playing, like, one last game before it was actually dark, right, and, like, that kind of thing, and, like, trying to, like, stretch it out as long as possible, and, like, Rock League has that kind of sensation of being a kid at, like, 7.50, right, we only have, like, 10 to 20 minutes before it's, like, nighttime and, like, the middle of the summer, and you try to do one last game, right, and so, like, it's that kind of feeling in every single match. Like, every match feels special in Rock League. It doesn't matter if it's 
yeah. a like seven nil blowout or a three two last second game winning shot like it always feels special it always feels magical it always feels mm. like it's just like running with like this like spark of creativity and imagination and so when i came to like try to describe how i feel about this game right like i knew going into this kind of piece that i wanted to write like i wanted to do something based on a sports game and then like i was like well how do i do that and it immediately went to this is rock like this is a piece that is so clearly about rock league right and it helped that i was literally playing through a season at the time and then get into that championship game at the time right and like the the broad strokes of like I guess like the skeleton more than the broad strokes of this story are true. Like they're all things that happened. Like the like all the scores and the minute lines are actual events that happened in the actual championship game, right? Like the the kind of meat of it obviously is stuff that I wasn't necessarily thinking but kind of was, but like the score is the actual score and the when the goals happened were the actually when the goals happened. Like that actually was that championship match. And so I just took that and was like, this left me with so many feelings, this championship match and like that giant sparkling arena, right? And like that match gave me that feeling of being in the tunnel and like walking on, like hearing the crowd roar, right? And like kind of the sweat on your hands, like the adrenaline rush, right? And like, I think it helped that, like for me growing up, as I think the opening like paragraph of the piece, like explicitly acknowledges the fact that like, this was what I did, right? Like I like... I loved video games growing up, but, like, I always have kind of talked about the fact that, like, I feel like I was a late bloomer to games in a lot of ways, right? Like, I wasn't beating games when I was four or five or six, right? Like, the first video game I beat was when I was, like, seven years old. Um, I didn't even play that many video games before I was, like, seven. Um, like, again, I have, like, the memories of Crash Bandicoot, but for the most part, I don't really have any, like, super firm memories of video games until, like, GTA 3 and, like, the PS2. And by then, I was, like, eight and nine. Um, so like I came to it later than I feel like most people do too, like in a, like a, in a really passionate way anyway. Um, and what I had before that and what I had with games afterwards was sports. I loved sports. I loved the competition. I loved everything about it. Right. And so like that story of me just taking a ball and kicking it back and forth in a grass field, I can tell you the grass field in Missouri where that's at. Like I can detail every blade of grass and every like sway the tree and the breeze and the sun like I can do it all right like I know that feels like the back of my hand still all these years later right like that's what I would do and I would go out and I would just kick a ball on the backfield and I would just be like it's a championship game or it's the world series or the world cup or whatever it was and I I think something that I really liked reading it through again was the fact that in that opening paragraph I also mentioned the fact that like I also lost a lot of those hypothetical games a lot too right like I didn't make myself win every hypothetical game because it would be like, if I make a goal, I win. If I miss it, I, I lose and I would miss, right? I was, I was a kid. I would lose games, right? I wouldn't get the game winning shot, right? And we haven't really mentioned it, but like the fact that this piece technically ends ambiguously, like it doesn't necessarily tell you if I won or lost a match. Um, in fact, it pivots to a whole different match, in fact, uh, which reading it again, I think I still like the idea that I, that I pivot to the imaginary baseball game. Um, because that's what the piece is actually about. Like it's Rocket League is just a bridge to kind of convey that story of it just being about the love of playing these games, right? The love of it all, right? Like the Barry Sanders mention and the MJ mention, and it's all just kind of facilitated in that larger story of just like I love games, and whether it's a video game or these kind of games, like that's what I love. I love the the wonder of it all, right? The creativity of it all, right? Like I think 
as we get older, that becomes harder to grasp onto, that becomes harder to maintain, um, both because I think it becomes easier to let a little bit of cynicism or like jadedness into you, but also because I think you're more aware of the realities of it, right? You're more aware of the people who make them and possibly like the problems that went with making it and like the development of it and the people behind it and the hours maybe put into it and the crunch put into it, but also because you've begun to live a life and because maybe your interests want to expand beyond like simple, easy things and narrative structures, right? Like, and I think that like my favorite game is Last of Us, but like that's not a game that is full of wonder and magic in the same way, right? And so I think falling in love with Rock like the way it did, it just made me feel like that sense of childlike wonder, right? And like there's just magic dripping in that game. And I think that's to me the thing that I most wanted to convey right in this, just so th- that sense of wonder about everything. Like the like again, like one of my favorite sections that literally reading it again today actually almost made me tear up was when i get to like the near the very end of the piece where i talk about my dad driving me around um like just going to get like burgers basically like drive around and like just look at how like beautiful florida was like in like twilight right and then like transitions to talking about how like my grandpa has like traveled the world and like met all these people and done these amazing things and like been everywhere and he just did it because he just loved the world, right? He loved the people. He just loved the wonder of it all, right? And, like, that's one of my favorite paragraphs in the entire piece because I think it conveys why I've always loved those things, right? Like, again, like, I always seem somebody who loves stories and loves to tell stories, but that is something that was taught to me, right? Like, my dad loves stories, and he loves just kind of everything around us is is kind of a magic to it all right and like even more than my dad my grandpa can just see like the magic in every situation right like the wonder in every situation right like why every kind of moment is like beautiful and special in its own way and him just telling me these stories again and again and again um obviously left like an indelible like imprint on me uh because i think i'm very similar in a lot of ways and like that's i think the heart of the piece in a lot of ways is like that paragraph and like what that paragraph is saying um and so that's what I tried to convey. And I think reading it again two years later, I'm largely happy with the result. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on, uh, you know, the writing process, yeah. Logan, uh, which is what we've been doing here on the best of list discussions. I'm worried that our fine listeners will be scared off by the run times on these podcasts. I don't think any of them are too, I mean, uh, like one or two, maybe a little bit longer, but like, most are around half an hour, so I feel fairly comfortable with that length. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, that was, of course, uh, Logan's For the Love of the Game. Mm-hmm. You can find it on the Pass Best of list, and I assume hyperlinked somewhere in the podcast notes or description or what have mm-hmm. you for this uh, podcast product. Um, and you, of course, you can find a lot of the other discussions and article raids for the Irrational Passions best of list here on our IP Presents feed, which has a lot of stuff. So here's the thing with the IP Presents Tell feed. Tell me about it. One, not enough people know about it. Mm-hmm. Two, it is like evergreen content, folks. I'm out here telling you what. You can go down this podcast feed from like months ago and you can find all sorts of stuff you can hear me talking about snk Mm. you can hear jared reading another article you can find all sorts of content uh that 
is speci- special to the IP Presents feed. And I like that. My, my goal for this feed is to make it evergreen. And I think these articles and looking back on them and having these discussions to see where we are today. Yeah. I like the journey more relevant. Than how we, where we are now to where we were. Yeah. So, Logan, I guess that there's not much else to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Lefty Logie on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then, obviously, on rashpassions.com as well, as well as Input, where we're, at the time of recording this, very close to episode 100, um, which is which in its own way is, like, a cool, like... Two years. Yeah, that's the thing. Right? It's two years. Yeah, like, two that's, years, yeah. that's what's cool about it, is, like, we're in that... Because Input's older than this piece. It's, like, again, the journey that we've like been on from then to now. Um, and like, cause input was like, we've done it for like five years as well. Um, and so to see where we are now with that and like near an episode 100, as we kind of do like the best of list launch audio read things, it's just cool. It's a nice full circle thing. Um, check out all of the other best of list audio reads, like George said on the IP presents feeds, as well as on the actual rushpassions.com webpage under the best of list thing. Cause it's very well, put together i think um and alex is very nice thing at the top of it and then each one has got very nice things written about each one of the articles as well um so you should go check out all of that as well george where can they find you you can find me at jcruzalvers26 on twitter.com and of course on input as logan said mm-hmm. you can also find me at irrational pod as i am the main person i guess who's assigned the twitter duties mm-hmm. for our website um yeah I guess uh, until the next time you read one of these, whenever that may be, because I don't know the rollout plan for this, but I know you'll be listening to yep. them, listener. Um, we will see you here on the Rational Passions Presents mm-hmm. feed and here with our best of list discussions and articles. Absolutely. Reads.